You're listening to the podcast ministry of Antioch Community Church. I'm your host, Wendy Scott. Today we're going to be following up with a discussion of our sermon series about a passion for Jesus, his people, and his purposes on the earth. As we move into the fall, we're exploring what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. The way we've encapsulated the Great Commandments and the Great Commission as it's lived out in our local context is that we are people who have a passion for Jesus, his people, and his purposes on the earth. And today we want to dig into more of what it means to have a passion for Jesus. And in the format of this podcast, I want to explore two questions that arise for me whenever I think about a passion for Jesus. And I'm assuming that's true for other people. But the questions of what obstacles cause a passion for Jesus to wane? And then secondly, if I sense that my passion for Jesus is diminished, what then? How can I fan into flame what seems to be Uh, diminishing or um, maybe even some experience um, would say my passion for Jesus is just dead. Um, So as we look at those two questions, though, I want to do it in the context of a message that Jason Seifert preached in the first Sunday of this series. So I would invite you to listen to that excellent message where he lays the foundation for this series. But as a brief recap, Um, Jason said that passion is more than affection. It's an expression of deep love. And he quoted Louis Giglio, who said that passion is the degree of difficulty that we're willing to endure for the object of our love. And having a passion for something or someone means that I have big, deep feelings but it's more than that. It's, it's not just having feelings or emotions or a deep knowing or, or abiding love in, just in the core of my being. But, but more than that, it's being willing to suffer on behalf of or bear the cost of whatever is required to keep that person or thing as the central object of my deepest affections. So having a passion for something means that um, this thing or this person gets the very best of all that I have, regardless of what it costs me. Jason also pointed out that having a passion for Jesus is not possible unless we learn first that Jesus has a passion for us. In Romans 5, verse 6 through 8, Paul says, You see, at at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
And John in the book of first John chapter four says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, Jesus's death for us was the ultimate expression of what God was willing to endure for that which he is most passionate. Since the extent of his love has been demonstrated in this way, an opportunity is therefore opened for us that was previously unavailable. The ability to love God with our entire being and return his passion with our passion. So if I think about what this, what, uh, you know, what it is that God has done for me or the way he's demonstrated his love for me, it makes me, you know, if I, uh, now I think about it, but if I really think about it, uh, what God has done for me, it makes me overwhelmed, um, and filled with wonder and curiosity about what kind of God would give himself for me, would do the thing that he has done in sacrificing his very own life for me. And then by the power of the spirit, as I come to know him more, as I let this uh, reality resonate in my, in, you know, in my heart and, and marinate in my mind, I find as uh, as I explore his love for me, I find that my love for him, my passion for him begins to grow as well. So what do I mean by that? Aren't passion and love the same thing? Well, yes and no. As we said, passion is a willingness to bear a cost, to suffer, to risk being hurt on behalf of the thing that is central to our lives. Having a passion for something may mean that we must endure suffering, and that may look different at different times in our lives or different seasons of our lives or under different circumstances. So, uh, for example, um, when Darren, my husband, and I were engaged back in the 1900s, we lived in different cities. And so that meant that we had to go long stretches of time without seeing one another. That was, you know, in the time of snail mail and email, which is kind of snail mail now. But we had to go long stretches of time without seeing one another. If we called one another on the phone, there was long distance charges. And so it was kind of even just expensive to communicate um, and it was, it wasn't really fun. You know, there were some times when I remember wanting so badly to just be married and um, to see him all the time that the longing that I experienced was a sort of uh, pain that I had to endure for the sake of our marriage. Um, so that's, that's one example of what it means to endure for uh, as a result of passion that passion makes you endure some sort of suffering you know it's just kind of that pain of longing um but but another example that comes to mind is um say someone's a, a passionate about fitness um that a person uh, really wants to engage in a lifestyle that uh 
is healthy and causes their whole well-being. Um, if someone has that kind of passion, what are they willing to endure for that passion? What are they willing for that passion to cost them? Well, that person might be willing to wake up much earlier than they would other otherwise um, prefer. Um, they might deny themselves really rich food. They, they might consider what it means to get enough sleep and rearrange their schedules so that uh, they're able to get um, a full night's sleep each night. That might mean having to say no to some really fun social events or something. They, they might, um, in the interest of being able to drink enough water, they might, God forbid, give up coffee. All for the sake of achieving a, a fitness goal that is their passion. So, you know, that, that might be one way that passion uh, requires us to endure, that a love for something requires us to endure a cost. I can think of another time in my life when passion required me to endure a cost. Um, when I was a young mom, I wanted so badly to be a stay-at-home mom when my kids were small, and that meant that sacrifices had to be made for that to happen. So uh, as a result, we had to live on a shoestring budget. We didn't go on fancy vacations. We lived in an area um, that was affordable to us, but it meant we had to drive a long way to get to work and to uh, school and to our friends and to our church. And so it was just a cost that we bore because of a passion um, for being able to be home with our kids whenever they were little. So we rearranged our lives for that and we bore a cost for that. And so as we think about having a passion for Jesus, what's, what that is talking about is just what am I willing to endure? What suffering am I willing to bear up under? Or what cost am I willing to pay? Uh, or what risk am I willing to open myself up to so that Jesus remains the central figure of my life, so that my whole life gets arranged around him, so that all of my best affections and attentions go to him. And so I think I, I was having a conversation with a friend just this morning, and she was talking to me about her early days of walking with the Lord and, and coming to know the Lord and how um, it was just so incredible that she would read her Bible like if she was literally reading her Bible for the very first time and it was intoxicating to her and it was just she had sort of these deep feelings of willingness to yield her whole life to give her schedule to rearrange how she was living in order to uh um, embrace the things of God and to invite God into her life and to have his way and his will in her life. And it cost her a way of living. And so for her, she was describing a, a passion that she had. But as, as she was talking, she was just explaining to me that life happens. And as, as time passed and she doesn't, can't really identify maybe exactly when that happened, but she just recognizes that over time there was sort of this waning passion and, and she has a deep desire to recover that passion that she had initially for the Lord. And so I was just thinking and, and talking with her about those obstacles that cause our passion to wane or about just the, the ebb and flow of life. 
um, that causes our passion to wane. And as I was thinking about those, I, I identified just a few. I'll, I'll make a short list here, but I would love for you to add your own. Um, but think with me, if you will. I think that sometimes what causes our passion to wane is that we have a lack of really understanding the passion of Jesus expressed towards us and his ultimate expression of love for us and not just dying on a cross for us, but giving us himself and his presence, everything that it cost him, as it describes in Philippians chapter two, just the, the, the self emptying that Jesus endured for the sake of communing with those that he loved for the sake of being with us as one of us. There's, uh, you know, maybe we just don't really have a full grasp of what that means. I think another obstacle to a waning passion is just um, sometimes apathy. You know, I mean, let's face it. Sometimes we just grow lazy or apathetic and and that's just the natural ebb and flow of life i mean sometimes we forget what is our first love um you recognize that if you've ever had a passion for anything you know if you've had a, if you've had a, a a passion for uh let's say pursuing um you, you know studying an instrument i mean there are some times when you're like well i don't need to practice today it's not that really really that big of a deal and then eventually you recognize oh it just doesn't give me the same thrill as it used to it doesn't invite me back um i'm not arranging my life around this thing anymore and so and so we recognize that just sometimes being apathetic is uh, an obstacle to um maintaining a passion i think sometimes let's face it Fatigue is an obstacle to passion. I think about the last year, year and a half of our lives and what we've endured locally, nationally, globally, uh, all of the different things, not just the pandemic, but racial unrest and um, injustice that we've seen in the world. Um, I, I think that sometimes that causes us to just really be tired and therefore everything in our lives shifts everything else is get it gets rearranged as a result of just being worn out and feeling paper thin i think another obstacle to a passion is when we suffer grief or loss we have to be honest with ourselves about those things you know Suffering grief or loss or pain or trauma um, rewires us in a way. And we have to restory ourselves. We have to resituate our lives as a result of those things. And that takes some time. But what it means, too, is that um, we reevaluate our, our whole lives a lot of times in light of those losses. And so you might find yourself in that place where you can identify that I've suffered a grief or a loss. And as a result, it made me rethink my passions, especially my passion for Jesus. Sometimes we have distractions. You know, sometimes life circumstances cause us to give our best attention to other things. And they're just simply distractions. They're neutral, really. I mean, it's not things that we can control necessarily, but 
but they definitely, um, the distractions definitely pull our attentions. Um, and then sometimes our passion wanes because we just don't have people around us that have the same passion that understand and are pursuing the same things that we are pursuing. I think of what it's like whenever, for example, uh, you know, (laughs) our family really likes, uh, the game settlers of Catan and, um, and we are, I would say pretty passionate about it. What we're willing to endure in order to play that game is we're willing to stay up late and lose some sleep in order to play that game. And, and, um, sometimes whenever we try to, um, pull other people along in that passion, it just doesn't go well. They don't like the game. And so they don't want to play it with us. So for us, it kind of affects our own exuberance about that game. Right. So, So sometimes just having a community around you that is pursuing the same thing, that is passionate about the same thing that you're passionate about affects your own passion. And so if we find that a passion for Jesus is waning, perhaps it's because we just don't find ourselves in a community that's seeking Jesus. So just really quickly as we're wrapping up, let's talk about things that we can do Um, to make ourselves available um, and to rekindle those that passion for Jesus that we so desire to be the response that we have whenever we um, experience his passion for us the first thing I think is um, let's talk about time you know, if, if we are, if we have a lack of understanding about the passion of Jesus or if we're experiencing some apathy, um, perhaps what we need to do is spend some time meditating on the word of God. And I think particularly reading about the life of Jesus. And as we read about the life of Jesus, we can ask, what difference does this man's life make to me? How would I be changed if this is really all true. And so then we have to learn how to spend time with Jesus and begin to encounter him again personally, maybe the way we did in those early days of our walk with him. When I think about uh, fatigue or grief and loss, um, maybe one of the, maybe one of the antidotes to that, or the, the things that we can do to re reignite that passion is just the simple act of rest. So I'm going to look at my schedule and go, what can I eliminate that is sapping my energy and whatever I can eliminate, I should. Now, some of those things I might not be able to eliminate. That's not really Uh, possible all the time, but there are some things that I can take out of my schedule that are sapping my energy, that are robbing me of rest, and that are feeding my fatigue as opposed to fueling my passion. Um, And then I think too, like if you're in a season where you are fatigued or where you feel like there's uh, grief and loss that you've you've suffered, I think just an awareness of being patient in the season that you're in, being patient about the things that you can't control. For example, if you have an infant, you know that you cannot control whether or not you get enough sleep. You can only do what you can do. But having an infant in your home is going to 
rearrange your life in such a way that you can't control those factors. Or if you're suffering an illness I, um, or even just the chaotic events around you, if you have uh, you know, family situations or a life event that's happening around you, you can't control those circumstances. Just the, I, the understanding of identifying that thing and then being patient in the process. And then I think, you know, engage in self-care as you employ other habits that allow you to relate to God personally. Um, so, you know, let's d- develop different habits that, uh, that cause me to be available to God and just open to the work of the Holy Spirit. So that might mean that I have to, um, as we talked about, eliminate the things that I can eliminate, but it might mean that I have to actually learn other rhythms of being um, in the presence of God. Maybe I have to engage in the study of scripture in a different way. Maybe I need to learn how to practice solitude so that I can have a few moments alone where it's just me and and being in the presence of God and being available to him uh, with my attention not able to be focused other places um, perhaps that's a way I I mitigate the distractions of my life and then finally I would say this if my passion for Jesus is waning and I find that I lack people around me that have the same passion the thing that I need to do is develop some community and community can come in many different forms. Um, I would say community can be a face-to-face community, the people that you walk with and live nearby. Perhaps that's your life group, um, members of your, of your church or in a, in a, you know, a community, um, Bible study or something like that. But, but, uh, but community can also be found in other ways too. For example, you might want to read or, um, listen to different things. For example, worship music. Some people really respond well whenever they are ministered to by, um, by music. And so you might want to just engage more, with worship, or perhaps you need to be reading things that elevate your spirit and remind you again about the worthy things of God that caused you to be passionate about him in the first place. For me, sometimes poetry does this. I really love uh, Wendell Berry. I like Gerard Manley Hopkins. Those are a couple of poets that that you might investigate, or even like, I really do love propaganda. Um, I love spoken word stuff. And so sometimes those kinds of art, artistic expressions can be ways that it elevates and reminds me afresh of who it is that I'm worshiping and why he is so worthy to receive all of my affections. I think too, like biographies or autobiographies about people who have a passion for Jesus and the struggles they faced and how they moved through them to a restored or a renewed delight in the Lord and a passion for Jesus are always really helpful for us. I think about how transformative uh, people like Hudson Taylor or Brother Lawrence or Darlene Rose or even, um, you know, the the book by uh, um, Emily Foreman that we died before we came here. Just these, these people who have had a passion for Jesus 
Jesus, and they've walked through suffering because their passion caused them to endure, and then how they reworked their lives around the suffering that their passion caused or required of them, and how they still have a passion for Jesus. You know, I think about uh, the value of life group and how it dovetails really well with our next topic, which is a passion for his people. But I think about the value of life group and walking arm in arm with other people who have the same passion for Jesus. And Hebrews 4.10, uh, 24 says, consider how to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And what are love and good deeds, if not a passion? love that leads to action. So being involved in community with other people who are passionate about Jesus is a way to encourage and and stimulate your own affections as you discover that maybe a passion for Jesus is waning. And then finally, I would just say this, setting our expectations appropriately means that we have to understand we can't do this alone. It's ridiculous to think that in the limits of my humanity, I will ever be able to match God's passion for me. It's also unreasonable to think that the expression of my passion will look the same in every season of my life. However, as much as it has to do with me, I can put logs on the fire as I seek to respond to the passion of Jesus towards me with a passion for him in return. So as you can continue to consider what it means to have a passion for Jesus, let me invite you to talk with others. Ask them what their obstacles are and share yours with them. Together, consider how you can encourage one another towards love expressed in good deeds.